All right, hello, and welcome everyone to another episode of Waiting to Be Signed, the show where we reveal the week's events in generative art. My name is Will, and I'm joined by Trinity. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of generative art. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It's just for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or for those who prefer a visual language on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. And of course, if you're feeling generous, we are always accepting donations to our Tez wallet address, WTBS.Tez, or our ETH wallet address, WTBS.ETH. The best way you can support the show is by collecting the FX text article that accompanies each episode. It's a great way to follow along with all the art and news and discussion points and everything that we talk about. It's going to be in that article so you can see what we are referencing. All right, Trinity, good morning. Happy Friday. Good morning. So glad to have you back, Will. How was your trip? Oh, boy, it was tiring. It was was not a vacation. It was the opposite of a vacation. Well, anytime you go to see family, I feel like it's never a vacation. Right. There was that side of it. There was the five-hour plane ride each way with the baby side of it, the time change side of it, which at her age proved to be very challenging, and just also the chaotic nature of the trip. You know, we keep her on a pretty regimented schedule, which helps get us through every day. And we completely got off that schedule and naps were missed. And that's, I mean, that's a part of it. Like it's going to be chaos for a little bit. Did you try just pushing her schedule back three hours? We kind of like panic tried doing that a few days before the trip. It was like we did not give ourselves nearly enough time to acclimate her and prep her for that. Oh, I meant for when you're on the trip, like instead of going to bed at, you know, seven o'clock, she goes to bed at 10 o'clock. It's the other way, actually. She would have to go to bed at four o'clock. Okay. Because we were we went from New York to California. Yeah. So no, actually, we did end up going more towards the way you just said. <laughs> like there was one night where she didn't go to sleep until eight o'clock California time, which was like eleven New York time, four hours past her bedtime. I think it's okay. It's probably stressful trying to reintegrate back into Eastern time. But when we went to Italy, it was just kind of a uh, more or less anything goes. But we're less regimented. And the sure. baby was also like two and a half months old and just, you know, like sleeping, sleeping a good portion of the time on you, right? (laughs) Oh, uh, we wish. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So the one upside is like, so the other baby that she is nannied with is on a one nap schedule. And coming back, we use this as an opportunity since we just completely threw off everything. Like, well, let's just put her on a one nap schedule now. And we're trying that somewhat successfully this week so far, which is, you know, it was, it was a difficult trip. So the upside was I went to LACMA. That was like the one personal thing that we got to do. And we talked a little bit about that with Monk Anthony in the interview that we just recorded with him the other day. But, uh, you know, again, doing that museum with a baby was hard to be slow and read everything and kind of appreciate stuff because you got to you're on a clock always, as you know. I guess you try to have to coincide that with a let's have a nap time in the stroller type of situation. Yeah, she doesn't do that anymore. She won't do it. She just wants to walk now all the time anyway. So it's like very hard to mm-hmm. keep her in the stroller. So the other awkward thing was, you know, we when we were in LA, we like to go all around and like go to all the shops and get coffee, you know, just kind of like explore. It's such a big city to check out. So we always end up going to Venice Beach at least once. And I decided like, oh, I'm going to be here. I might as well drop by the Bright Moments Gallery, like check on Google. It shows that they're open from like 11 to 4, 11 to 4, whatever the hours are. So this is perfect. You know, go out there, get coffee, walk over. And I get to the gallery and it's kind of like back in this alley near the beach. 
you know, the door is like a jar. So I'm like, this is cool. Like, I'll just go in. It's open. I just want to see what's up at this. Never been. You know, we, we went to the tour event at the New York gallery. Right. So, and then I go in and it's like, someone's like, hello. And I'm like, Hey, are you open? And they're like, no. <laughs> uh, I was like, well, Oops. your door is open. And, and I go and I'm like pushing in. I'm with, the, I'm with the stroller with the baby. And it's like Seth sitting in there with another guy, like having a meeting <laughs> that I just like awkwardly intruded on. I was like, hey, do you remember me from the podcast? And he was like, oh, hey. <laughs> I was like, sorry, I thought you were open. And so I had a very awkward five-minute drop-in at the Venice Bright Moments uh, Sounds awesome. Uh, did it look awesome? Did you get to look around? Your- Everything was turned off. I mean, they have like these digital displays, but they weren't oh, yeah. open. So they had a few printed things from the first, I think, Venice event that they had. It would have been like early last year. But that was it, you know. And they gave me a board ape water that they had lying around. And then I left, I don't know. <laughs> kind of walked away in shame and awkwardness. Awkward. But hey, update your Google so it doesn't say that you're open <laughs> when you're not That's open. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think that you can report those hours. So it's up to you. Oh, God. As a person. The gig economy is everywhere. That's not even a gig. That's yeah, 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 I don't even being, get paid. That's uh, public service. Right. Even right worse. There. But yeah, speaking of Google. Uh-huh. You have in the notes here, just a note on Brave Browser. Sorry, that's the awkward transition today, folks. Everyone who's listened to the show has known I've been struggling with Chrome and just my computer in general. So like, not only have I ordered a new computer, which is going to come next week, but this week I literally couldn't even interact with like TweetDeck or anything. It was just a bunch of my tabs were crashing in Chrome. Still don't understand what the problem is other than Chrome. So I switched to Brave, which you've been talking about for years. Finally. And I'm sitting here with like six pinned tabs, four other tabs open. We're streaming the podcast through it right now. Everything is running smoothly. My mouse cursor is not streaking across the screen. So yeah, I mean, Brave is amazing right now. Yeah, it's pretty good. Chrome is the internet explorer of today. Why is it so bad? It doesn't make sense. You know, when Chrome came out, it was like the sexy, lightweight browser that just performed super fast. And now it's become the opposite of that. I think technically Firefox might be the, one of the fastest ones. But if you're still looking for something that's like super Chromium based and very similar, maybe Firefox is Chromium, I don't know. But yeah, Brave is awesome. And you can sort of get crypto, although I don't know if it's worth it. I was able to install MetaMask and Temple. Oh, no, I was talking about the uh, Brave attention token. Oh, I, I have not turned that on yet. No. Yeah. At one point, I think it would have been worth it Went back when it was worth a dollar, but now it's worth like 16 cents or something like that. So it's less profitable for looking at ads. Other pro tip for you, Will, is it has a mobile browser, which is excellent because as far as I can tell with Chrome or Safari, you know, there's still ads. And I haven't looked at a mobile ad for years. And when I use a different browser, I'm just turning it off. Interesting. Yeah. Because ads are just impossible on mobile. They do dominate the screen, sometimes fully brick the site you're trying to like look at. Yes. Pro tip right there. Just download it now. I had one more pro tip for you. Okay. It's not a pro tip. It's a, it's a question mm-hmm. as a way to test the performance. Did you open an ethereal microcosm yet? I haven't done that level of testing yet, but just the mere fact that I have like tabs open for extended periods of time, multiple tabs, and they're not crashing my computer, which was not the case before is like, huge. For example, we ha- we're going to do the monthly update today. And usually having this spreadsheet open is a huge risk because it's it's so big and it's not lagging my computer at all. It's amazing. Is there anything interesting that happened with you? You've got something in here. I have no idea what this means. So I'm just here to shill a show. 
which I'm not one to shill a show. Oh, okay. I know. Yes. Okay. Please do this. So happy Pride Month, everybody. And mm-hmm. I guess in pseudo celebration, Netflix has released a new season of their reality dating sort of show called The Ultimatum. It's a bunch of couples. One person has issued the marry me or breaking up ultimatum. Great start. Great start. And essentially it's you break up all the couples, you get them to live with somebody from another couple for three weeks, and then you go back to your original partner and date for three weeks to see if like this is truly the thing that you want. And under the premise that at the end of the experiment, you will either go home and engaged to your original partner, you'll go home engaged with the person that you've lived with for three weeks, or you'll go home single. And this season, it has queer couples, so women and non-binary folks only. And it's fun because all the connections are more possible. They've done fewer couples. And it's just a bunch of lesbian drama. And it's excellent. So I watched the first season, which was not Ah. a queer theme season. It was um, a bunch of trashy cis people. That season did not feel very well balanced in terms of, I think in almost every case, it was like the woman issuing the ultimatum to the man. I think there was like only one of the couples where it was like the man issuing the ultimatum to the woman. And the common refrain was just these women having it blow up in their face over and over again as like the guys went and dated someone else. And they were like, wow, this person doesn't make me feel shitty at all. <laughs> like, And then they'd be like, wait, what do you mean? You're having fun? Like, how come this isn't working out? I thought yeah. and then they get mad and then the guy would be like, but you're the one who made me go on this show. And then it's just like conversation ends there because that you can just like see that look of realization in their face of what they've done to themselves. And it's just like definitely needed to have some more forethought and balance in how they structured the casting, which I guess mm. is a, a major, like usually an issue in season one of a lot of reality shows. If you're a fan of this one, Trinity, I would also recommend finding the season of Are You the One? Yeah. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. I don't the think queer it's on Netflix season. yet. Maybe it is now, but when you were talking about it, it wasn't. But yeah, it seems like this season, it's more about people understanding the, you know, the toxic parts of their relationship and being able to explore things that would make them better as an individual and learning more about how they need to operate in relationships. And so there's a lot of candid conversation and- It sounds wholesome. Well, no, it's- It's not, not wholesome. super wholesome. And it's, one of, it's like the first reality show where you can visibly see that, holy shit, these people are wasted. Oh. At least in the first episode. I'm, not, I'm only three episodes in. You can see uh, that a lot in Are You The One also. And so the <laughs> yeah. Any show where they just like make an open bar a part of it tends to- invite that type of behavior yeah guys we need more drama everybody round of shots let's go yeah you know last thing i guess as a prime month note the new season of queer eye the fire's back baby i was kind of off queer eye for a few seasons it just was like getting very repetitive and and boring to me but i feel like this season they've done a very good job picking the people that they're going to help and structuring the episodes in a way that feels like a little i don't know this season of queer eyes it's back number seven let's go all right. Well, I'll try to see if I can get it in before our Netflix gets canceled because <laughs> we're sharing passwords. Are they just shutting that? It's shutting down. Yeah. Oh, wow. They're going to enforce that. Interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see the uh, outcome from a business perspective, but we'll see. We'll see. The only other thing that happened this week. So I'm getting that Generations quilt made by my mom. She sent me a bunch of fabric samples. Everything looks good. So I don't know what her timeline is to make it, but I'm super excited to get that whenever it's ready and share pictures and stuff. It'll be super cool to have that made. So what will you do with it? Will you put it on your bed? Will you hang it on the wall? 
I don't know. I think it depends on how it looks because the piece itself, when you look at the token, it's like very flat. The token doesn't have much texture outside of some of the gradients and the token I have in particular is very light on gradients. So I think it's going to depend there. You know, she's going to build it to be used so we can put it on the couch, put it on the bed. I'm not going to be afraid to use it necessarily. Mm -hmm. Well, that's something that we noticed at the event, the Mm -hmm. Generations event, was seeing some of the, the flat digital pieces side by side with the actual quilt. And there is quite a difference bringing it into the physical space. Like you get light, you get shadow, you get more stitching. I think it translates really well. It might not translate directly, but it feels so real, which is a nice contrast to, I don't know, the starkness often that you get in some of Anna Lucia's work. It'll be cool. You know, some future episode in the uh, show notes on the FX text, we'll have a side by side of the token with the finished quilt. It'll be great to show off. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, should we do some news? There was kind of a big update and I guess a little bit of drama on FX Hash in the last week, week and a half. Yeah, and this is drama that kind of goes back pretty far. I, th- I guess we've reached the resolution of that drama. Is my understanding, yes. Yes. <laughs> the slow nature of minting with FX Prams tickets is what kind of revealed this underlying issue with FX Hash minting. I guess in theory, this kind of exploit has been around since the very start, or at least maybe it was something that was introduced in the 1.0 contract. But since most mints that are really popular mint out so quickly, there really isn't an, wasn't an opportunity to do this. But there was a way, I don't know all the technical details. I don't know if we want to get into all the technical details, but essentially there was a way to like soft check your mint on a per block basis. And people who knew how to do this could use a tool, like a third party tool to kind of see the randomness of the roll they were about to get with, before completing the mint and like put basically put it in and then take it back out of the transaction pool. Like based off of the transaction hash, you could right. see the hash that you were going to mint and then yeah, do that. You'd have like a quick 30 second window to see if it was going to look a way that you liked or, or in particular, right, right? So the project that was most affected by this, as far as we understand, was um, charcoal seeds from Zancan. There was that random thing where it's like, different color that you can only get by opting into the randomness and also a different like formatting. And I, of course, tried this and I just rolled it the honest way and got fully punished for, for it by getting a small, you know, plain one. That's still very nice, but not what I was hoping for. But people who knew how to do this were using it to like only get like rare colors and other rare traits. And for the record, they did an in-depth analysis, the team did, and only three wallets actually ever used this exploit in the history of FX hash. Mm-hmm. One of them it was through looking at them constantly rolling black ones that kind of came up and surfaced being like, oh, this user is like four for four on rolling super rare palettes. Let's like look at this. Yeah. And I think it was the community who probably realized it first because Yeah, it was the community that realized it. It was crazy watching that kind of unfold in price discussion. Mm-hmm. That led some of the more savvy, more coding centric users like figured it out probably in conjunction with the FX hash team. And so now the fix is in or the patch is in. Now it's no longer just going to be your transaction hash. There's like this little randomizer side thing that they've built that your hash is going to go into and you're not going to be able to have visibility then into like what that final hash is going to determine your role on traits is going to be. I'm sure it was a lot of work. It sounds like a simple solution, but it's probably a lot of work to implement. I think also figuring out what is the correct solution, you know, that was definitely part of it. And I think Looking through the FX hash announcement, which we'll post a link to, you know, there's also a lot of thought that needed to go into how do we preserve the existing projects, which is always going to be a concern. Do we close? Do we stay open? 
Cypher did an excellent job. The teams did an excellent job of identifying and responding to this. I think that there could have been more communication ahead of time just around what was happening. But, you know, when if there are only three people who are using it or abusing it in this mm-hmm. case, then maybe it's not the best idea to bring more attention to the particular space. I think that was the idea, right? It was like not to cause panic and also not to cause, not to incentivize people who might have had the skills to do this to like look into it and figure it out and potentially exploit it, yeah. which I understand. I'm, I'm sympathetic towards that. It's a tough, really challenging problem for them to tackle, obviously. But I think it is a relief knowing that like looking back at a lot of the older projects, especially the ones that minted very quickly, it seems incredibly unlikely that this exploit has been in use, you know, for a year plus. Like it doesn't seem like there's been any in particular individuals that have been constantly minting rare stuff and selling them at the, you know, at the top and, and getting yeah. like a lot of profit off of this. I think everything about the whole param system in many respects kind of opens that up because one of the wallets that was abusing this every single time that a Zancan ticket would sell or like be in foreclosure and about to sell, it would look at it and in the same block push a transaction with higher gas to ultimately snipe it every single time that somebody would be trying to buy it. Because at that point, it could be in the, the price is ticking down category of things. And so you're A, you're letting the price tick down as far as it possibly can. So you're like saving however much it has there and then just winning out because everything is like public within the mempool. Yeah. Blockchain strikes again. It's kind of bad faith, right? It's not against the rules and maybe the terms of service, but it's something that it can be done with the technology at hand. It's like if you have the know-how. I meant it in a good way as in like, well, like, mm. yeah, of course, like it enables this exploit, but at the same time, it also like you can't hide yourself. Yeah, Everything's there. Everything can be with sufficient tools and time. Like you can work backwards on everything and see what's going on. The FX hash team knows how to do that. And, you know, they were able to put together all the pieces, which is great. We'll definitely link to that announcement. Yeah. What else is going on? What else is in the news, Trinity? Well, we have our interview with Valerie Whitaker, which we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks at this point. It's finally out there in the wild. Thank you to everybody who's been replying to, about it or uh, sharing it with others. I think that we know that it's a really important podcast within the context of not just the Tezos ecosystem, but kind of understanding that gap between the NFT art world and the legacy art world, which is such an excellent term. I think I'm going to use that moving forward. It's a, definitely a must listen for anybody who's interested in this space at all. Like maybe if you're not interested in like, oh, let's only talk about pieces of art, in which case listen to our artist interviews. But if you're interested in where things are going, where things have been, and a really, really intelligent person talking about all of her experiences in this world, it's a must. You have to. It was fantastic. And the response on Twitter has been great. It's definitely been one of our most shared interviews, I'd say, at this point. And if you haven't listened to it because you're not sure who Valerie is or like what is Trill Attack or why this would be interesting to you, that's exactly the reason you should be listening to it. For us, it was enormously fascinating to talk to her and to just to get a little bit of insight into like what is usually a really opaque thing, like mm-hmm. what is going on with Tezos. It's hard to sometimes even find the hour to go do the research yourself, right? Well, here we go. Like yeah. we just talked to someone who's like way on the inside. And of course, her responsibilities are about art. And we focus the conversation on that. I'm actually going to go out there and say, if you have not yet listened to that interview, stop listening to this episode <laughs> right now. Yeah. Go listen to that interview and then come back. And then also tweet about it and share it to get more people to hear it. 
I think if we can take a positive story back about the reception to that, it'll probably also help us to get more people like Valerie, like people from the Tezos Foundation themselves, like maybe get Arthur on the show, you know, like that would be great to start interacting with people like that through our platform. And, you know, as I was editing this week, because we recorded with Monk Antony earlier, what a great compliment that episode's actually going to be to Valerie's when it comes out in a week and a half. Like a lot of what we talked about with him and Lorandum and just the history of generative art and like digital art and what they're kind of trying to do building their platform and their collection, I think it's going to be a great compliment. So look forward to that episode soon. Let's move on to donations. Yeah, let's do it. Now that you've come back after listening to the uh, Valerie interview, this week we received a coloring book page 186 from Nate Nolting, who is also the artist of coloring book page 186. So thank you, Nate. Thank you, Nate. The show notes are a little late this week, right? <laughs> or did I miss the show notes went live? No, they're they're late. When the show notes go up for the last episode and for this episode, be sure to, to grab those as well. Double feature. Yeah, we're appreciating your minting in advance on those. Should we just jump right into the market index update or do we want to talk about some of these other platform things? Let's talk about some of the other platforms first because the market update is very FX hash related and mm-hmm, we can mm-hmm. just then roll more into FX hash. Okay. Well, let's start with perhaps this emerging narrative that we're starting to see this L2 summer is kind of how I'm dubbing it. Um, we talked about prohibition art. I think a couple episodes back, which should be launching sometime in June. And that's the one that's going to be using the Artblocks contract, but it's going to also be on Arbitrum and uh, Ethereum L2. Eclipse now has announced that they're going to go live with Arbitrum around the end of June, which is a much needed upgrade for them because ETH so far has not proven to be working as a core chain to be putting out generative art on, unless it's a highly curated experience like Versa Artblocks. So that's kind of interesting. I guess the most interesting thing here is that they're also choosing Arbitrum and not another chain like Polygon. So maybe we need to start learning about Arbitrum and the virtues of that versus some of the other L2 solutions. Yeah. I don't know if there is a specific virtue of Arbitrum or if there are key differences between any of these L2s on Ethereum, other than that they each release their own governance token that can then be used in order to pump and dump and make money. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the salty take from me right there. Perhaps the virtue of Arbitrum is that they're actively looking to fund and incentivize people to use their chain for Potentially. art. Yeah. I think Polygon's always been more like gaming focused is my memory. So perhaps Arbitrum's trying to stake their claim in the generative art side or just the art side in general. I think there's already an Ethereum L2 that is trying to do the art thing. I forget what it's called. There's one that we've been hearing about here and there. If you're out there and you know more about Arbitrum or you can connect us to someone there and you know like that there's a story around why these platforms are choosing Arbitrum, get in touch. Maybe we can form an episode around this or just do some casual journalism would be great. The other interesting thing is that Alba has upgraded their website now and it looks like they're about to launch also very, very soon. I'm actually in their Discord and I think they're launching the pre-mint on their Genesis token extremely soon, perhaps as soon as now. And then they've already started previewing some of the art. No artists credited here, but they're previewing some of the art from their Genesis set that's going to be coming out. Yep. Oh, no, actually, no. Down here, they finally do have some of the artists listed. Yep. And some of them are names that we know from FX Hash. We have Wootsku coming back with a non-playground project. Mm-hmm. 3D Manatee is in here. And you know, 3D Manatee has been sharing a lot of really cool works in progress on Twitter recently. And it looks like this is that project. That's an awesome scoop from Alba. Yeah. And then Morpheus, who I'm less familiar with, and then Haver, who is one of the founders and 
tenderoni, as we say. <laughs> yeah. Those are just some of them. I think they have far more than that who are going to be in there, but these are just the ones they're previewing now. And if you join their Discord, you can see they even have like an artist work in progress channel. People are starting to share stuff that is not currently up on the website as well. Some other names that I wasn't as familiar with because I don't think that they've released on FX Hash. But still, that's cool to see that they're getting ready to launch. They've got what appears to be a pretty extensive lineup. We'll see how it goes for them because I believe these are all going to be on ETH, just like Eclipse launched with. Potentially going to have issues with pricing. Yeah. Gas is down quite a bit. Um, when I minted something on ETH, I guess at semi-peak time on a Wednesday, I only had to spend $18 in gas <laughs> That's not bad. It's disgusting. Oh, yeah, my God. It's so much money still. 18, I, I mean, 18 it. is not bad compared to what it's been, but that's still so much money to mint a piece of art that might be like $50 yeah. or even $100. You're paying an 18% tax on that. That's so much. So I think the other side of these platforms launching expanding into L2s, just the general pickup in things. I feel like the vibes are changing. I'm starting to feel like the market bottom is in. I think that we're past it. I think we might be past it. I've seen some encouraging charts that show volume starting to tick back up. Those charts are usually like ETH-centric. Tezos follows ETH a little yeah, bit Yeah, I think behind. it's pretty, pretty similar. And I'm just kind of feeling it, right? We're seeing more stuff in the sales feed. We're also seeing more stuff in our DMs of like, hey, do you want to promote this? Like, hey, we're launching this thing. And it's like, we get those from time to time, but we've never gotten those like in the volume that we've gotten in the last two weeks. Well, we're hot shit, Will. It's either that our reputation is uh, coming out of the trough <laughs> or that the market reputation. is coming out. Uh, it could be both. It could be both. I'm interpreting it as a positive market signal that people are like trying to find ways to pay us to shill stuff. That's interesting to see. We haven't done any of that stuff yet. We're generally not super into doing that stuff, or we'd want to do it for a lot of money, which probably would be a deal breaker for the counterparty. But it does feel like a signal, you know, <laughs> it feels yeah, like some kind does. of signal. I do agree with you about the signals. And Adam and I talked about it a little bit last week in terms of seeing things sell not on offer. People are paying fair price or market price for things on secondary. Primary is picking up. Offers are getting closer to the listed price or the floor price for projects. You know, I think it kind of came in after Galaxy did a bunch of selling. And ever since then, I don't know if there's just been liquidity coming in. People are no longer distracted from altcoins over on Ethereum. People who made it rich with altcoins on Ethereum then focused on generative art. Who knows? There's the big auction too. Yeah. The three hours capital pieces went up for auction and some did way better than expected. Some did a little bit worse than expected. But I think the overall narrative coming out of that was like someone spent a million bucks on a Fidenza. I mean, to be fair, that Fidenza was bought for like $5 million. So It was bought for that much? <laughs> like originally. Originally, yeah. Well, so the million though was like, first of all, above the auction house estimate. And also, you know, listening to other shows, I think people who like know more about Fidenzas didn't exactly have that one pegged as like a significantly above floor Fidenza. It's a Fidenza with an interesting history. How it about is. that? It is. Yeah. It's part of a huge public liquidation <laughs> of, a, of a fund. And so that's interesting. The sheer drama. You can tell yeah. stories about that Fidenza and you probably can't tell stories about most Fidenzas. True. So. But still, I mean, I think the point stands like if that was a big catalyzing thing and it shows that there's money out there for this stuff and perhaps that makes people feel more bullish on art as they as they should. Yeah. What is going on with Super Rare here? Do we want to talk about this? Yeah, we can definitely talk about this. It's about some of the, you know, hand in hand with the, the other platform talk. And obviously, normally we wouldn't talk about Super Rare because they don't do generative art or at least not randomized generative art. 
they've been working on a staking system using the rare token as a way to promote artists. You know, based off of their tweet, a lot of artist promotion is happening on web two platforms where people have to post on Twitter, or Instagram, put out newsletters, that sort of thing. And so they're trying to bring it to be more into the web three space. So ultimately, how they- do you do you understand the mechanism? <laughs> I started browsing this thread and it was like something, something, bonding, bonding curve. curve, something, yeah, something like- Yeah, that's the part that loses me a little bit. You know, they're trying to use this as a way to create reputation and discovery at the same time. So people who have Rare, what they can do is lock those tokens up with an ecosystem participant, in this case, an artist, in order to convey reputation. So ultimately, if there is an artist who has known actors who are trusted staking a bunch of Rare with them, theoretically, that would communicate that that artist is high value and that they're getting a lot of like social clout from all that Rare being staked with them. And so let's say LeMond, I don't know if LeMond is a Rare holder, decided to stake a bunch of stuff with me, somebody who's relatively unknown. Mm-hmm. That would theoretically bring up my clout in the listing. So it'd be a combination of staking mechanics and then using the blockchain to understand who is staking what via staked lists. And so it's basically creating a data set that people can use to examine who is staking with who, where, with how much. Basically, it's a data set that can be used in a variety of ways, right? By people who want to use it. Well, you know, the one thing we know about these large token-based ecosystems is that they're rarely gamed, especially when they have economic incentives tied to them. <laughs> so I'm sure it's going to work out swimmingly based on all of their modeling. I mean, because it's an invite-only platform, uh, I don't know true. how gamified it can be. I don't know how impactful it will be. I don't know about the tokenomics of Rare or if you know, people are just kind of sell into it. I'm sure that it will up the price for a little bit if people are interested right. in participating in the system. If you can even buy it, I'm not quite sure about how you can get it. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out because I know that FX Hash, for example, is looking to bring in community curation right. of sorts. And this is a way of doing artist curation on chain. So philosophically lines up, right? If you're a Web3 platform like a Super Rare or an FX Hash. Mm-hmm. Well, now that you're an, a, a Super Rare envoy, you know, you'll have to keep us apprised of how this is working out. Is there anything more you can say about your project yet? It's released. It's up there live. It is open for offers. I could have put a price on it and maybe I should have put a price on it because then it's, you know, grounding the collector and like, here's a thing that you can just, here's an assumed value that I am putting there. But pricing was really stressful. So I just made it open for offer. Maybe at some point this month or in the future, I'll create like a minimum bid auction, but that's for future me to figure out. So far, no offers. But it's a great piece. I checked it out. We'll have to maybe in the future talk a little bit more about your process on VEs and stuff. We'll find some time because I think you're going to do one more. Is that right? Or is this, is this the only one? I'll probably do more in the future. But okay. you know, this is the one that I've been working on for a little bit. But is it good? That's the thing I'm always stressed about, right? With Especially with AI art is that it's such a different medium of sorts. I really like it. I see things in it that... I understand by knowing you and being your friend, or at least it gives me certain impressions and ideas about what you might have been going for, or or maybe even what might have accidentally emerged like through your process, which is, I didn't want to dig into it now. I want to like dedicate time in a future episode to talking to you about it. 
if we could. But I certainly like the piece. I think it's very cool. And I hope that you get some offers on it soon. That would be sick. That's my childcare plan. <laughs> yeah. Make a lot of money selling art and then we can afford childcare. Just yeah, sell one, one of one a month at a, you know, a couple of ETH that'll pay for childcare easily. Yeah. Well, what's not paying for childcare right now is Tezos, perhaps to transition into the market, <laughs> the monthly market update. It's the beginning of June. Brutal. Tez is down 10% from last month when we checked in. It was at a dollar. It's down to 90 cents now. In general, though, we've seen a lot of red, and in particular, the USD price continues to bleed against Tez. So even though Tez is down 10%, the total index is down 17.8, call it 18%. So we're seeing art bleed a little bit faster than Tez in general. Not what we would hope to see. But we have also seen that things like this lag quite a bit sometimes. We saw in the beginning of the year, prices go up, 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 and took them a long time to correct and now we're kind of seeing prices go down, down, down. And maybe we're starting to see a little bit of a correction, at least on some projects, right? Even if it doesn't super matter or matter that much, it is a different trend from what we've seen in previous months, where last month, Tez was down you know, 10%. The index was down in test terms, 15%. The month before, Tez was up 2%. Floor prices were down 17%. Right. It's a deceleration of decline. Right. Yes, like it's, it does feel like we're turning around a little bit. Perhaps that's the best way to think about it. There's a better stock being held in art than in Tez in some respects. The best months to me are always the ones where the USD price move outperforms the Tez to USD price move because that's showing us that people are valuing art above the currency itself. Yeah. So far, we haven't had any of those months yet this it's year. It's been challenging. We've had some that have been very close, or we've had some that have been like parody or close to it. But yes, you're right. It's been. Overall, this year, holding Tez has been better than holding art, which perhaps makes sense in the bear market, right? Like NFTs in general tend to be a little bit riskier. Even though this is art and we don't really think of them as like shitcoin tradable PFP type things, they are still these financialized things and, and they're subject to the whims of the market in that sense. You know, I guess also our overarching thesis has been that these just present increasingly good opportunities to buy stuff, which we've yeah. both been doing over the course of the year. What are some of the bright points this month? There are a couple of projects that are up over 35%, those being Solus, which is up 39%, and the Tender Pass, which is up 36% from last month, which is huge. In both of these cases, it largely is a correction after multi -months, multiple months of decline. Of like heavy decline in particular. It is movement in the right direction. It's a good positive sign to see that there is some resistance, there is some like hard floor where people jump in and start going like, this is too cheap. When you're in free fall like this and you're just seeing projects continue to bleed, continue to bleed, prices going down, lower and lower offers being taken, you start to wonder like, well, where is the floor? Mm -hmm. Where is the price where like, you know, not a whale, but even like a dolphin or minnow type collector might say like, you know what, I'm going to put 500 bucks in, like this is too cheap. And we got there on a few projects. Like the other one yeah. uh, was Horizontis, which was up 25% in test terms this month as well. That's obviously could be partially on the back of Iskra's very successful release over on Tonic and just kind of bringing more attention back to her in many respects. Yeah. I mean, she's been very quiet and that was part of the project description itself was like that mm -hmm. she's been intentionally working hard on that piece and not releasing other work. It's just slowing down in general, which mm -hmm. makes so much sense. KGM was the other kind of decent winner, up 20% in test terms, outperforming well the um, USD dip. Still has a lot to do for recovery. It was yeah. down 40% last month. So we've recovered half of that. 
you know, it's interesting because KGM, it's doing very well, almost at the expense of a bugged forest, which had been like the big story, I guess, around last month, which is when Charcoal Seeds was released. A bugged forest was outperforming most of the Zankan's projects. Uh, again, we weren't entirely sure why, but really we've seen that role kind of flip-flop. Yeah, it's down quite a bit, 36% to perhaps a new all-time low in floor. It's down to a 460 test floor, which looking at the monthly charts here is definitely the lowest we've seen so far. Yeah, down like 43% in USD wow. month over month. I can't believe at the beginning of the year, the floor on that was 1100 I remember after minting and I sold one for like 1300 TES or something to like cover and get, I was like nervous at the time. Like, geez, like this is it. I'm never going to be able to buy back into this project. And here I am like able to buy back into it. And you can buy a nice like one with a colored background if that's something that you want. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, I can probably wait or get it cheaper. I mean, I think the lowest we've seen on offer has been like 250 or 300. Yeah. It's interesting, like another generative art show in the ecosystem, Collector's Corner, they talk a lot about friendship bracelets on art blocks as kind of like a sign of liquidity in the marketplace. And I kind of feel like this project being a thousand editions, fairly highly listed and constantly, it seems like there's not six hours that goes by without a bug for selling. Yeah. Like it seems like they are perhaps the most liquid piece in the FX hash ecosystem. It's crazy. There are some fun deals to be had right now. If you're interested in the red background, which is super cool, there's one listed for 555 as of today, and it's kind of one of the more broken ones. And then a really nice balanced one that's being listed by Galaxy at 650. I mean, I like this floor one a lot. Oh, it's kind of like a broken tree. Yeah, it looks like it's like in the middle of being felled, like it was just chopped down. Some great like moire effect in the background pattern. Also a shout out that Zanken, you know, put a tweet out that I always think about, but I haven't done yet, which is if you go to his website, what you can do is get a good download of your bugged forest for printing on t-shirts, sweatshirts, tote bags, whatever. Yeah. Every single time we see Zanken, he's rocking an ABF t-shirt. Yes. I need to do it. I really want one. I actually looked at a site. I think I Ryan Bell made one early on and I asked him what site he used and he showed me and I just started like getting into it and I just couldn't figure out how to, I'm so dumb. I'm like slowly moving into like full boomer territory. Like I go to a website and I'm like, I just see all these buttons and things and that I just want to pay some young kid to do it for me. <laughs> you know, like, Hey, here's what I want. Here are the specs. Like, can you make this website do it please? We can make that. And that was, you know, another thing that we talked about with Adam last week is that um, becoming a boomer. No, not becoming a boomer. <laughs> Generative AI ultimately being able to predict a thing that you need or want. And with that and inclusion of conversational interfaces, you can just say, I want a bugged forest t-shirt. And then the system will be like, sure, here you go. Yep. You don't actually need to click on anything. I'm ready for that when it comes to this request, at least. Anything else from the market that's interesting? I mean, there's a lot of red on here, bugged forest. Like Grapheme continues to slide. The floor is 90 tes. That feels like unthinkable. It was 600 at the start of the year. Yeah. September is still sliding down 16%. RGB is still sliding as well, despite seeing a number of sales. Yeah, that's surprising to see that it's down, considering. It's very surprising. And, you know, we've talked about this off air. When is the time to pick up RGBs other than back when they were either free or <laughs> you know, 10 to 20 TES? I well overpaid for mine at the time I got it. I reached up at 50 TES. Yeah, but Tez was like $5. I know. That's so expensive. I'm actually like 
getting close to being underwater <laughs> on it. Like it's within striking. No, I mean, not really right, but yeah. a 75% drop from here and I'm going to be underwater on my RGB. One of the things early on, right? Like people call this kind of like the swiggle of the platform, the quote unquote first project, though not really, though kind of yes. It's kind of the thing that you buy or you own or hold, or at least of your galaxy, like that's what you do as a way of like signifying your support for the site and your belief in it in the platform. It's encouraging to see people buying them, right? Like it's encouraging to see as the prices have gotten lower, people coming in, we've seen some reaching up and getting some above floor pieces. I'm certainly interested in getting more. I want to be able to keep mine and have another to hold and like sell in the future if these things really do become like swiggles equivalent. I'm with you. I don't have any... I've been too focused on getting Contras, but perhaps it would be time to diversify. If anybody wants to donate two RGBs to the podcast, <laughs> WTBS.tez. Yeah, please do donate RGBs to us. That would be great. All right. I mean, I feel like that's a good wrap. Same story that we've had for the last few months. I think the only other thing to maybe mention for the first time since the start of this experiment, so six months ago, it's the first time that the percent listed there's been a decrease in the number of projects that have been listed overall. Oh, good catch. Yeah. We're about 3% less listed across the index than we were the prior month. That's really good, actually. Floors are coming down, people are listing, but that means there's like net buying. Yeah. If you look at our percent listed delta column, it's incredibly green. Some projects like Tender Pass, 13% less listed than it was last month. Same for Tesseract. A couple other projects, like 10% less Dragons listed. Dragons was 10% down, but I think yeah. that's because we saw Dragon sales. We did see a lot of Dragon sales. It's not really reflected in much of a floor move here, but there were quite a few this week. The floor had dropped quite a bit between last month and this month. And so the floor is kind of evened out, which is, again, one of the reasons why we started doing monthly rather than weekly, um, just to see better trends rather than the ins and outs of what's happening week to week, because that's so sensitive. If I can't save for a dragon, I'll probably just get an RGB. I'm on a saving spree right now. Excellent. We'll see how long that lasts. We will. It's I'm pretty bad at it, as we all are. <laughs> it's really hard to save. Tez dips to 75 cents again. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, maybe this is a good way to transition to some of the things I picked up because the things I picked up this week didn't come out of my Tez bucket. They came out of my ETH or credit card bucket. <laughs> credit card bu bucket is so dangerous. Oh my God. Yeah. I know you talked about this project last week, but um, while I was in LA... I saw fellow tender NFT economist Anna talking about Escape and how much she loved the project and that there was a rare one near the floor. And you know, that perks my ears up right away. And so I went in and I grabbed Escape number 105 with some ETH. I think it was like 0.33 ETH. So I tried making an offer, waited an hour, got impatient, and then just bought it at retail. It was like about an $80 difference between like what the highest offer was and the actual price. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get this. So I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but it's one of those uh, broken... Um, the broken opera. Yeah, broken opera variants. So pretty cool. I, l I prefer the white background ones, which this one is. And now I have to decide if I'm going to spend the money on a print. You did a good job. The floor is currently 0.385. Nice. So, okay. You know, I think the performance of generative art over on Ethereum is also another good reason to kind of see that the bottom might be in. Things that are selling out for the most part. Floors are rising. That was a big point of conversation last week with Adam. Yeah. But I really like Escape a lot. It's really delightfully architectural and just, even though it's so structured, it's structured in a serene way. Although yours is broken and therefore less structured, but. Less structured. I mean, it still has some of the, the structure in it. It just has this big kind of like figure thing protruding out of it, which is cool. I have a perfect thing to pair it with, which is like my Flins, which is like, I mm. believe 
her favorite project on FX Hash, or at least at the time, she tweeted about it, which is rare from Iskra. The uh, Fargile pieces I have, I feel like this would be a great compliment to go with them. In the Are corner. you planning to get a print? Yeah, they're like 50 bucks for a print, unframed. That's like the basic offering, which is probably what I would do. So I think it'd be worth it just to see if there's a huge difference between the printing there and the printing you could get done through Tender. I've gotten some other prints through artists. I won't I won't name names, but through artists who have like decided to offer their own prints and not do Tender. There was one in particular where I was like pretty disappointed with the actual quality of the print. Like very spoiled by what Tender offers, especially at the price point that they're charging. It's like a very good deal. <laughs> it's it's too good to be true in some ways. The other pickup this week was It Is What It Is, the latest from Marcel Schwitlick. This project is super cool. Did you? I don't think you talked about it with Adam last week, did you? No, we didn't talk about it last week. This is pretty rad. It's like, a, you know, like with all or most of Marcel's work, there's a physical that exists. And these were like done on different types of photography paper in a dark room with like a laser as the plotter. Like he rigged up a plotter with a laser to, to draw these things and I don't know. Physical theme just keeps rolling. I'm collecting, collecting stuff. That did not pass the wife test. For you? No, it didn't. Most of the stuff that we talk about does not pass the wife test. I mean, for this one, I figured it would probably just go in my office. So that's kind of like the one place I can keep filling the walls. I actually haven't redeemed the physical yet, but I have to stop soon because I'm getting yeah. too much stuff and it will have to start creeping out. And then I have to to do the wife test <laughs> again and see where it's going to go. Yeah. Honestly, that's a actually a really good point. You know, this is a shared office for us right now. You can see, people who have ever been on video chat with me can see, it's a very deeply intense turquoise green, basically floor to ceiling, and it's a lot, including the doors. Mm -hmm. And you know, having some nice art on the wall would really kind of break up the intensity of that green. Probably you could find one of your, the Verse Melissa project, you could probably find one that would fit the colors in that room really nicely. Probably cosmic rays. That also did not pass the wife test. Oh, interesting. Okay, I thought that you had uh, looked at some of those with her and performance. She liked some, but not enough to not enough to print display in our home. She's tough. Make the pitch, you know, the, the colors in here, the wall, like it actually fits perfectly. But I think that if anything, like something like an escape or something like, and it is what it is. You know, it's very contrasting. It's very simple, mm. monochromatic. I think that would fit in this space really well, just to kind of pull attention from all the color that is happening. That's a good pitch. That's strong. You know, you have to come in with a, with a strategy, with an idea, and challenge them to argue otherwise. That's how relationships work. Yes. Interesting about It Is What It Is is that it's actually still open to mint. It's only about half minted, maybe a little bit more, which is kind of surprising. I assume this one would go out really quickly to the point where I actually gave someone some ETH because it minted while I was flying. <laughs> and I was like, can you get one for me? And they did, but it was like completely unnecessary. The other thing that I think we both have been minting a lot this last week is OCM stuff. For me in particular, I was like going hard on Neom. I know you grabbed some, right? Actually, I haven't minted anything. Oh, I thought you were minting I some. I mean, I've no? been watching from afar on OCM for months and months, honestly, mm -hmm. since the projects first started releasing. But, you know, I haven't jumped in on anything myself Interesting. quite yet. Okay. Well, I was going pretty hard on the cheapest project because it was also the one I liked the most. And the unfortunate occurrence in the last day or so is that a bunch of these projects are now getting flagged as copy mints. So some of the mystery of the artist maybe is is explained in the fact that um, perhaps they're not fully responsible for their work. So far, Neom has not been flagged, but I kind of feel like this artist themselves is going to get fully flagged and moderated or 
it's just a matter of time before the dominoes hit that project. It's, it's unfortunate. It's a really, the last three, four or five they've done especially have been like really good. Mm-hmm. It was also really interesting to see the last week or so, just like a lot of people in the community discover that work at the lower price point and mint it and enjoy it and share it. And it's kind of a bummer to see it all now start getting moderated. I don't know if it's being moderated yet. I think that some, some of the work has been. I think that when you see the, the flag status, that goes into effect if enough individual users flag the project. And so it's in a moderation queue. There's some that are in queue. There are some that have been fully mm-hmm. judged. Yeah. For example, Play, which only had six mints, has now been burned down, I think force burned by the moderators. And it's been flagged as fully undesirable content for being a, just a copy mint. So that's not good. I think there's like four or five of them that have taken that flag. There's others that are under review. But you know, once an artist starts accumulating flags like this, it kind of calls into question all the work. And even if one is cleared, it's kind of hard to feel as good about it, right? So disappointing for sure. I expect this will kind of resolve over the next week in one way or another. Maybe they'll uh, break their silence. That'd be great to hear. All right, should we just do some projects of the week and shout outs? What, what did you like this week, Trinity? I didn't mean anything this week. Really? I had my in-laws staying with us and we were out doing things all day, every day. And I did not mint anything. Awful. <laughs> you know, it's nice to take a break and be very um, purposeful with things that we're minting. That's true. Well, there are some really fun ones this week, like in particular yeah. landlines. Landlines. Blockchain automaton. Yeah, insane. So I guess this is like the first technically all on-chain project on FX Hash. Landlines the Wiz figured out a way to do this. You know, that's coming. That's going to be native to FX Hash as a platform in the future, but... I guess using params, landlines figured out a way to mint this. You had to go to a site that he set up, connect it. It was limited one per wallet so that there wouldn't be accidental duplicates. And that's it. It's called Blockchain Automaton. It was 500 editions. Yeah, 500 editions, five Tez. Carpe Diem has been going in on this one a lot on the secondary, perhaps mm-hmm. because it's like the quote unquote first like on chain. Yeah, a lot of collection offers being accepted from Carpe Diem. Just very interesting project. It's, it's kind of like an 8 Badoo-ish. It definitely has that pixel art quality to it. I think by virtue of being on-chain, it has to be a little simpler. By Tez standards, this was extremely expensive to mint. Uh, in addition to the five Tez, 1.65 Tez in storage fees. Insanity. Insanity. Throw in a little gas, you know, whatever else. It's basically a seven Tez mint all in. But it's a it's a cool little first for FX yeah, Hash, I definitely. think. And very fitting artist to execute it, landlines. It makes you curious, you know, now that you're mentioning storage fees. I wonder what the cost would be to have this on chain. It was a Tez and a half for you to mint, but for landlines to upload the code onto the blockchain, I just wonder what that price would be. Because I know that some art blocks drops can go into thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if the storage fee is high for this one because it's like uploading the code each time. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like you pay gas, but you never see like someone say like, oh my God, I'm paying like 0.2 ETH in storage fees for this on chain art blocks piece. So it's a little strange here. I think it's probably something with the ex- execution. That's a great question though for like, you know, next time we have someone from the FX hash team on to talk about features and on-chain stuff, which maybe we'll actually have an occasion to talk to someone in the next month or two. Yeah. I don't know if we've given a, been given a timeline for that to come live, but I think we know it's going to happen this year, hopefully. That's one of my big questions is like, what is it going to cost artists? Like what are the restrictions going to be? And what are the minting applications? Like if it's native on FX hash, are we going to have to pay storage fees in the same way? I have no idea. It's kind of like weird to be complaining about 1.65 Tez, but it is interesting. And it kind of shows you like for a simple project like this, it's 
not necessarily trivial in cost. But yeah, didn't stop me. I minted three. <laughs> Excellent. So if you want one, I can throw one to you. Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. Well, we'll do that I'll after the episode. I'll give you a six and a half Tez in order Perfect. to... Uh, there we go. The other big release this week, which was not on FX Hash, is Drift by Paulo Cherik, aka Patak, as we know them on FX Your Hash. My favorite tree. My favorite tree. I think I've only got one left in my collection. I've sold a few of them. My favorite tree on FX Hash, they released on Verse... 999 editions with that same kind of like slow burn mechanism they did for Cosmic Rays. Collector curated $33 fixed price on Ethereum. I mean, I can't imagine versus making any money on this after gas, <laughs> right? <laughs> like you're saying like 13 to, okay, $13 gas would leave $20. It's, it's, it, don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about the economics of this drop for them. They got scale at least because even though it was 990 edition, 99 editions dropping, 938 were minted. Yeah, I don't I don't know that scale is good when it comes to, <laughs> to blockchain. I think you just end up paying more for it. You don't call up Mr. Ethereum and say, can I get a package deal on these 900 NFTs I'm about to mint? I don't know. Maybe they do batch minting. I'm maybe. not quite sure how it works. I don't, yeah, I actually don't know how they do it. So maybe scale does help, actually. I could be entirely wrong on that. Well, I'm just saying that you're making marginal profits across 938 right. pieces versus across you know 100 pieces. Well, I think that's the crazy story of this one. It's like, so not only is it a cool project and it's great to see Verse take an artist like Paulo and, you know, highlight them like this and let them take a big swing, but that over 900 got minted. I mean, I think part yeah. of that's price point, but also just like clearly like Discord, at least Tender Discord was like very into this project this last week and sharing outputs as people were, were making them and lots of people minted multiples, myself included. Sounds like you didn't mint this one because you've been busy with family. No, but. it was actually like because of family, it was really off my radar. I mean, I was seeing people post things into Discord, but at no point did I go through and flip through, curate my own at all. Well, what was your impression though? Like of what the pieces that people shared, like were you into this one? Not as much as Fields by Eric Swan or Cosmic Rays. I do appreciate that this was collector curated. I don't know if it needed to be collector curated unless, you know, there are enough middling outputs that it really made sense for people to go through and kind of build the ones that they like. I think it's a really nice project. You know, there's a ton of variety ended up being minted, which you can just see scrolling through the page. Mm -hmm. It just hit me less hard than Fields or Cosmic Rays. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree. This would have been so sick on FX Hash. It would have been, like, and it could have been. I think it would have had to be worked on a little bit more to do like a full random release. Like my experience with it having flipped, you know, a couple hundred outputs. Now that you can like batch 20 at a time when you're doing these collector curated things, looking at a couple hundred of them, it was not nearly as difficult for me to pick, look through a page of a hundred and pick five that I liked. There were a lot of themes that repeated mm. often in the outputs that I just didn't care for, or just didn't find interesting. Just like here's another one with five circles in it. Okay, here's another one with five circles in it. Like just like skip, skips. Like there's a there's just like a yeah. lot of inst instant skips for me. So I think it had to be done this way, or it had to be done as a artist curated piece or params if it were going to be FX hash release. Right, it could have been done as a params piece for sure at maybe a lower quantity though. Like I doubt they imagined over 900 to get minted. Scrolling through the outputs, I do like the diversity, but I also kind of like easily categorize them into buckets. Yeah. All right. Here's the ones that look like faces. Here's the ones that look like streaky line. Like it does feel like people found. You're like, the ones with five circles. Yeah. 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 People people found like the four or five buckets that they liked. And do we really need a hundred that look like faces? No. Like yeah. I don't think we need Why that. Not? 
Well, then you have five different projects. Come on. So I think it works the way they did it, right? Like because it was $33 and they did this mechanic and it was very fun. I think it works. If it had been done like as a, at a higher price point or fully randomized. So like, I I honestly feel like it was like a really, really well executed sale, which is great. It really hit the community well. Unfortunately, there were some issues too. I mean, like the site crashed that was due to volume and activity, which kind of impacted the second half of the mint. But you love to see it. You do love to see it. That's a good problem to have. That's a bullish signal, right? That's a very bullish signal. We can't get away with not mentioning that there was a rendering issue with this project as well. Thumbnails not matching final outputs that people started to notice as we got like very close to the mint or like right at the start of the mint even. That impacted uh, not all of them, but the ones that had a lot of drift, right? It was like the driftier it got, the more impacted it was. Yeah, that seemed to be the consensus. I you know, I looked through some of the stuff that Verse said about it. Credit to them for offering a refund, of course, and also doing what they could on their own backend process to like correct, to quote unquote fix the thumbnails for people who might have minted one that was affected. Well, now you're correcting the thumbnail. It doesn't fully solve the problem of like I minted based on the thumbnail, not based on the render, because now you're not getting what you want. Like there was actually one piece oh. that I had saved to mint and then when I went to mint it, I noticed it was like fully 90 degrees yeah. turned in orientation from what I expected it to be. And it did make it look a lot worse. And I ended up just not minting that one in that moment. Yeah. That's what I'm noticing with one that I've just opened up right now. Like obviously you can just right click, rotate 90 degrees after you've saved the output. But given that this is not a square canvas, it doesn't work as well. This is the type of thing that, you know, in the history of like FX hash, we've had multiple drops, including some really big ones. Yeah. Like delayed because of issues like this that were discovered. Or even more minor issues. Even more minor issues of just like this line is slightly off alignment. And even like to me, I couldn't tell the problem, but the artist is like, we're taking this down to fix it. I think it's kind of good to encounter this problem on a on a kind of a fun lower stakes project like this. It should be raising a lot of alarms within verse of like, oh, we don't have the systems in place to actually do the quality control that we need to be doing to be running yeah like okay like as much as you can say it's on the artist so it's like i kind of feel like it's like 60 percent on verse as the platform who's like doing it yeah they're not yeah. an open platform it's not on fx hash to check people's code like fx hash can get away with it because they're yeah. just fully open i'm noticing it even on some pieces that don't have a lot of drift or don't seem to have a lot of drift even on one that had looks like has no drift i'm seeing issues number 30 which is part way down the page for 98 dollars if you scroll down, you can see that it's somewhat simple. It's two black orbs on a gray background, and the bottom orb has a little bit of trailing coming out from underneath it. That trail does not come out, actually, when you open it live. It's something that's only in the mm, thumbnail, which yeah. is something that you know is actually really nice about the thumbnail. It makes it feel a little bit more whimsical and serene, and so not having that really just completely changes it. And it's one that doesn't have a lot of movement, at least that I can tell. Yeah, like I think this is like not such a severe offender as some of the others. Like number two hundred eight next to it, that is pretty severe. Yeah. But I think what I'm saying is that it doesn't seem to be as complex from a rendering perspective, and it's still being impacted. I think that's the uh, that's the story there. These are the things that again, like when you're rushing in Web three, for whatever reason, we're always rushing. It shouldn't be like the mint comes out and then midway through the mint, you release a statement about it. It's like, these are all things that's like on the artists and on the platform holders 
to have a process for and have like a go, no go moment and understand this. And then, you know, unfortunately, like I'm sure some people took refunds, perhaps in the month, no one will remember that yeah. about the project, but it certainly sucked in the moment. It's a do better big flag for verse, which is like, you can't just rely on the artist to, to mm-hmm. submit the code the day before and, <laughs> or like, you know, a few weeks, yeah. bef- a f- like a week before and assume it's going to be pristine. Yeah. My mints are amazing. I tweeted them. And mm-hmm. we should make sure that some of them oh, go into the article. I will put that tweet in. <laughs> yeah. In particular, 523, I think, is my favorite of the ones I minted. It's just like gives me crazy cave painting vibes. I love like the charcoal streaky outlines around it. It's like it's like if a caveman had access to like really cool metallic pastels. I think it's sick. What we're saying is the release was great. The art is great. The critique is more about the communication. The communication and the preparation and just like yeah. if you're going to be a curated platform... It's definitely on you just just as much, if not more, than the artist to make sure that these things are contemplated and checked for and tested. That's it. I still think the drop is cool. Huge shout out to Patak, to Paulo. Shout out to Verse for taking the swing. And I'm very happy with my mints. $33, you can't beat it on ETH especially. Let's do some shout outs, Trinity. There were some yeah. art blocks projects this week that we were excited for. Yeah, amazing. So earlier this week, Amy Goodchild released her art blocks Genesis Meaningless. 270 editions, it's still available for a resting price of 0.06 ETH, which feels like a very solid deal for her work. And I think most notably about this, as always, she has an insanely detailed semi-technical write-up that she provided, including you know some of the ethos around the name of Meaningless and how it's you know about optimistic nihilism, how ultimately everything is meaningless, but you know not in a we're doomed way and just in a happy way i suppose i loved the write-up her write-ups are always like spot on this one in particular i thought was super interesting because something that i feel like at least for myself i'm always asking when i'm looking at a piece and a project and i'm like oh i wish the artist had said more like what is the idea here like what am i supposed to understand or feel about this piece or like what was their intention and this project is just like there is deliberately no intention and she kind of just puts it out there like how much she hates that question or has hated it as an artist and struggled with it and been just like that's not necessarily the reason that you make art like you don't have to have like a underlying thing that you're like i want to express like sometimes the expression itself can be emergent it's she wants to hold up a mirror to you and see what it means to you as as a participant in the experience what do you see exactly and then to me i was just like wow that's that's such an interesting statement i really appreciated it and of course, like she does an insane like textbook walkthrough of all the layers of like how the project is built through code and the things that she the did. Different parameters that yeah. there are, whether it's palettes, shapes, you know, including the uh, node system that is underlying to the entire work, right? And how it's created, and how the different shapes are made up and distributed, and it's so well written and so well thought out. It really I wish is. more artists would do this. Maybe it takes away some of that mystique that goes with the work. But not everything needs to have mystique. You know, mm-hmm. it is a fun to understand how somebody would construct this. It's hugely educational. And as are all of the blog posts that Amy has, even if it's about her adventures with the wall drawings and, <laughs> and, chat and GPT. Uh, chat, with chat GPT. Yeah. I have to say also, like, Amy's always amazing with her palettes, but this one in particular, scrolling through, like, there's not a single palette where I'd be like, ah, oh, bummer, I got that one. I feel like with every project that has, X palettes, there's always like Y that I won't want to get. I'll have some strong preference towards just a small handful of them, but all the palettes here really seem fantastic to me. Yeah. It's about half minted, 0.06 ETH, 
catch it when gas is low. <laughs> See you on Sunday. Yeah, maybe uh, during church hours when all the ETH maxis are worshiping, that would be the best time to go mint this. The other FX hash alum who put out yeah. a piece this week and also put out a very long blog post about it, Lisa Orth put out Speak to Me, also Art Blocks Presents. It was the day after Amy's drop. Similar situation here. It's like a little under half minted. Resting price 0.08 ETH. This was 290 editions. And this is where Lisa's been for a while. We've been saying, where, where's Lisa? What's Lisa been up to? Well, now we art know. Blocks. <laughs> She's been working very hard on this Art Blocks project. It's definitely like a evolution, I would say, of a lot some of the stuff that she's put on FX Hash for sure. Like I see the work and like the effort imbued into this piece. How are you feeling about it? It feels like FX Hash, you know. At, one of the things I love about Lisa is that continued leaning into and building relationships, as she says in her write-up, with some of her palettes, for example. And I hope that people who are primarily in the art blocks community they can see something there and really resonate with it and just understand the strong connection that she has or sense that connection and also be interested in what she's, what's happening over on FX Hash with the work there. In terms of the write-up, the background of the piece, it's talking about predetermination and predetermined thought versus intuition, which kind of goes hand in hand with what Amy is saying about meaningless, right? Meaninglessness, and, yeah. In a slightly different angle, but how so often people have a preconceived notion of like, this is what I want to create. I'm visualizing it in my mind. And now I'm putting pen to paper to create that vision. Where from the very beginning with Speak to Me, and you can hear it in the title, it's very much about that intuitive process of trying a bunch of di different things, like diverging, so to speak, understanding like what is resonating with me in this moment, what do I keep coming back to? And then kind of diving deeper into that part or that, that idea or that type of output. Doing that process of diverging and converging over and over and over again until you find something that has that wholeness hmm. to it. Even with the name, Speak to Me, she just was a, like a fever dream of sorts where she was dreaming, she woke up, she wrote speak to me down on a piece of paper and then when she saw it in the morning she was like oh yes this is obviously the name of this piece we definitely have to link to both of those blog posts from her and amy into the show notes just fantastic to see them both on art blocks i think we've known all along they would both make it here two artists that we've been following for over a year on fx hash and, and collecting and celebrating it feels good to see them i'm stuck staring at number 17 right now it's the classic stitch palette from lisa the colors we know her for best from her earliest FX hash work. But the composition of this one, mm -hmm. are you looking at it right now? I'm looking at it right now. I would like put this against a lot of Fidenzas any day of the week. Like this one in particular, like this looks so stunning to me. How it all came together, just the play of the colors. There's a lot of intricate detail here. She's put in some texture as well. I think we, we saw more in her like later FX hash work, but we didn't see as much in her early stuff. This one is just screams to me as like, holy shit, this is like yeah, I think masterpiece it's, right here. I do think it's the best one that has been minted so far. Yeah. Um, just quickly Unreal. scrolling through. Yeah. I might have to put an offer <laughs> in on this individual piece. Yeah. I mean, you could always try to, to roll on the primary, but she's introduced a, a number of new palettes. I mean, palette is the only feature that's here. I guess she had to do features and, you know, she's always on team. Rarity is subjective. 
but I do find myself much more drawn to the classic palettes that she has classic stitch classic specifically yeah some of the new palettes i'm not raw salvage i'm not a huge fan of even though i understand the you know the inspiration the one with the reds and the blues yeah although i like the way that it's comes out in number 49 where it is much more about the lightness oh bringing in the reds and the blues rather than it being super heavy on them from the get-go and it feels more balanced at least to my mind yeah, definitely. I wonder what that is. Like just a different choice of background or the way it... I don't know. There are no features other than palette. Not that we can tell, but that's what it looks like is happening in the parameters. I agree. Like Raw Selvage doesn't do it for me as much. I mean, every single one of them has an iteration that I do like for sure. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm just so naturally drawn to Stitch Classic. <laughs> Having such strong like uh, reminiscence for it, right? From those early FX hash days. Yeah. And the way that some of these circular patterns move, it does make me nostalgic for stitches fine, you know, regardless of palette. You know, it just kind of evokes that same sense in me. Great project. It is a great project. Only one is listed, and it's listed for over underneath. Alo and Wang released a project on Verse 2 the day after mm-hmm. Drift. Curated by Haver of Alba.art. Uh, 100 editions, $200 fixed, minted out over the course of a day or so. Big congrats there. It's a really cool project. I need to look at it more closely. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a huge fan of Turner Light, and this feels like not an evolution of that, but it feels like conceptually related to it, but still, but looks very different. Mm-hmm. It's emotionally very similar in how it played out. And this one was artist curated or Haver curated, I suppose. Working together, maybe. Yeah, working together. There's a nice representation of a bunch of different palettes across. I really like the ones that are more aligned with, I don't know, number 71 perhaps, mm-hmm. where you get a little bit more of the springtime colors in there. It feels very light and lovely, and I could see it in like a storybook illustration. Yeah, very cool project. Congrats to Verse for bringing more cool art. I also want to shout out Kriller.com. I don't know if you looked at this link yet. No. This is an audio-visual experience by James Patterson, who you'll probably better know as PressTube. PressTube, yeah. Yes, and musician Stephen Ramsey, who goes by Young Galaxy. This has been a project that it sounds like they've been working on for like maybe a year or more, a very long time. It's a seven-day looping art broadcast. It's going to be divided into 6,300 cassettes uh, available for purchase. It's going to be a ETH. I think they probably wrote their own contract here. 0.063 ETH to mint. Even if you don't intend to mint, it's well worth exploring this website. You know, enter it with sound. And as you scroll down, there's actually like a way to play with all the various like stems and tracks and start like building and changing and getting a sense of what they built here. A ton of work goes into making these generative music projects and making sure they always sound good. And it's combined with James's like little hand-drawn squiggle, like amorphous things that we know, we know him for from his art. I don't know if I'm going to mint, you know, it's not like a trivial amount of money necessarily, but it's just such a cool project. And I wanted to shout it out and highlight it here. At the very least you want to experience it. Yeah. Like spend 10 minutes on the site and just, kind of get blown away at even just the web design of the p of the site is like wow the site's amazing you should listen to it after the fact with the uh, music on i just had some of the music on while you were talking and thumbs up from me cool i mean looking ahead there's nothing really on the radar i guess there's the nfc uh lisbon projects that are going to open up soon ish sometime next week mm-hmm. it looks Mint. like a couple of them have been posted already obviously they're still locked but we don't have all of them out there yet I think we're still waiting for Ella's, maybe? 
and Elsif, I think. And Elsif. I know I've seen some previews, but I haven't seen, maybe it's not up in FX hash yet. Verse has another thing coming soon. I think later in like the second week of June, the architecture. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it last week, but there is a dedicated page to it that has more of the work actually listed. So people that we have confirmed as artists include Anaglyphic, Canart and Luis Fraguada, Victor Duval and XNMTRC. That's probably pronounced somehow. Fleep, Kira Zero, Office CA and Protocell Labs. Collaboration between Annabella and Alejandro Campos, Olga Fredina, Studio Yorktown, and Eric Swan. So it's a lot of artists. A lot of artists. A lot of cool stuff coming. Yeah, we'll link the page. There's going to be a verse mega episode the week that that comes out. I feel like that's all we're going to be talking about. Yeah, definitely take a look at this site though. It opens up. Elsif's is up now. It just went up. It looks like it's called Slice of Life. And generative architecture goes up on June 12th. June 12th. It starts June right. 12th. So yeah. we'll still be looking forward to it next week. Perhaps we can do a, a slightly deeper dive in some of the work. But definitely the week after that, we will be sharing and caring and probably just being super in awe of everything that's coming out. Generative architecture is so much fun. It looks great. Look forward to the Monk Anthony interview coming. That'll come week after next. So maybe a little early to be shouting that out. A project that we didn't talk about that we we'll, maybe we'll talk about next week is the Quentin Hoke Deep project grab yours grab your is the one that came out this week yeah it's params i need to go mint some tickets let's talk about it next week but definitely worth taking a look at that one it's still open for mint that covers it for me trinity what about you anything that we missed? covers it for me glad to have you back it's great to be back great to catch up well that's it for this one everyone thank you as always for listening we'll be back again soon with another episode until then bye